Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. We are super thrilled to be back again with you all to chat about life's important topics. We've got I, a good one for them today. <laughs> <laughs> we have good one every day, but this one um, is up for a lot of people. I think. I'm your co-host, Michelle Maros, and I'm here with Peaceful Barb. Hi, everyone. My mom. Sometimes people don't pick up that you're my mom. I know. I think it's because we're so... Um, youthful? <laughs> yes, youthful. I love that. I also think it's because we're so strong independently as well. So that's that's nice. Sometimes we don't even come across as mother-daughter because we have uh, such such strong personalities in our own right. So it's a good thing. Strong personality. But I love being your mother. Lots of layers to that <laughs> statement. True. Yeah, lots of layers, which we will get to during all these podcasts, that's for sure. Yeah. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I'm glad to be here. Good. What's, How what's are you? new with you? How are you doing today? I'm okay. Okay. Um, what's new with me? I'm excited to talk about our topic today. Um, I think we've talked about it a lot over the past several years. and so We've talked about it my entire life. Oh, that's true. Let's you know what? Real. This has been <laughs> up for you your entire <laughs> life. That is so true. That is so true. As a mother... Um, of a, uh, first of a all, human? No, for, yeah, well, yes. But first of all, as a teenager, oh my gosh, yes. This almost, this almost put me over. Did you almost get? Yeah, it was sent it to was the tough. bad place. It was tough. It was tough, and I think it is tough. I mean, whenever we're talking about uh, relationships, which is oh, um, spoiler. I know, all but right. but but a deeper part of relationships. Yes. I didn't I didn't actually give them the whole. Uh, content. Yes. Context. So let's get into it. I'm ready. Today, we <laughs> today we'd like to talk about how to manage friendship breakups yeah. and ending <clears throat> ending some friendships. Sorry, she's she's getting over a cold, so it's okay. It's okay. Uh, friendship breakups. Yeah, big deal. Yeah. You know, I, I would imagine this is, we know that this is up for so many people because they're commenting and messaging us and all the things. But I think coupling that with uh, this pandemic, I think it's really up for a lot of people. So, well, and like we said, since my entire life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But more specifically, how to manage friendship breakups. You know, what what to look for if you feel like a friendship is coming to a close. What are the signs? How to navigate it all? How to heal from it? How to make new friends? Mm -hmm. How to not make it ma mean something about you? You know, that you're not worthy to have friends. Yeah. And I think 
there's a lot of rules and stigma about friendships. At least I felt that for a lot of my life. And um, I want to talk about it. Me too. And I also want to add a little caveat to that, that not only on this on this podcast today, we're going to talk about, you know, how to navigate when you when a friendship is coming to an end, but how to navigate when a friendship ends suddenly without any warning or without any well, like a expectation, like a ghosting, which is some, that was a word I'd never heard of until I was ghosted a few years ago. So <laughs> I think I'd never heard that We've word been before. been through the so. gamut with friends, haven't yeah, we? We have. Probably so, like everyone listening, I would imagine. Yeah, to I think some so. Extent. So the first thing I want to say is I think, at least for me, it was it was instilled in me pretty early on that, that like, you know, you had to keep your friends forever and that if you don't, that meant that there was some sort of moral failing within you or that you're just a flawed person if you don't keep the friends that you had from start to finish. Yeah. I really believed that and I think I've heard people kind of reinforce that narrative throughout my life. And I want to say just to start off the conversation is I don't think that that's true. I just like with any other kind of relationship, like a romantic relationship, even with some family, even with, you know, colleagues, coworkers, relationships have a reason and a season. And I don't think that every single relationship that we have, regardless of the type, has to last forever in order to be good. So I just feel like starting off the bat with that is a good place to start. I, I couldn't agree more. First of all, it's unrealistic and it, it cannot be expected. I mean, nothing lasts forever. So if we start with that premise, everything changes. That is the one thing in life that is guaranteed, that things will change. It would make sense that relationships will change, that they will not stay the same, that we grow, we learn, we move on, we do things. So I think if we could stop having that expectation or that thought that you had, I remember as a young person, as a young girl, as a young child, as a teenager, and moving on even into your uh, college years and your adult years, that idea, that stigma that, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with you if a friendship ends, or what did I do wrong? It's just not realistic. So I think we need to start with the premise um, for people out there that are listening to this, especially if you're going through a tough time, that everything changes. And we do talk about that a lot. But I think even more so with relationships, it makes sense that it, they would change and grow because we're always learning and we're always um, moving into different phases of our lives. So I wanted to say that right off the bat, um, because I think that is one of the most common issues. If you think that, you're really going to struggle. It's so true, and I think, too, just thinking of the fact that we are always growing and changing and evolving, and what might work for you in a relationship a year ago might not work anymore. And obviously, part of being an aware, conscientious human being is to know how to communicate your needs when you need to, but also... Which is hard. But, you know, also knowing when it's when it's no longer a fit. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. And I think we grow and we grow more confident and we grow more um, steady in being able to communicate our needs and, and even know what our needs are sometimes. So I think all of the things that go into relationships, uh, the relationship with yourself and with others is complicated. And so I really think we have to give ourselves, you talk about this a lot. You use the word grace a lot. We have to give ourselves a lot of grace. We have to give other people a lot of grace and really understand that 
relationships are hard. Life is hard. And so we are learning how to navigate these, this treacherous road, kind of, kind of speak, um, as we go. All right. So what does it mean to you to be a good friend? For me, a good what friend. What is a quote unquote, <laughs> can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, a good friend? For me, a good friend um, is someone who is loyal, uh, who I can show up being exactly who I am. I don't feel judged. Um, I don't feel like I have to pretend or I don't feel like I have to have all my makeup on and get my clothes just right and then show <laughs> up and be able to be with them. Or I can make a mistake and it's okay. Um I can just be my authentic self and then I can, and, and, and the reverse that my friend will tell me, Hey Barb, I think you're kind of off track right now. Let's, let's take a little, let's take a little um, time to talk what's happening with you in this moment or, you know, how are you feeling? And, you know, someone that really can, can be there um, when needed to say the tough conversations or say the tough things that need to be said and, and someone who's just there to listen and someone who's just there. Um, and I know that that's, that might be a, a big, a big thing to take in because you guys know a little bit about my story, but I had no friends growing up. I had no friends as a young child. I had no friends in middle school. I had no friends in high school. I did not have any friends. So it was really difficult for me as an adult to navigate friendships. And so having you, Michelle, in your, your young childhood and then your middle school and your teenagehood and your, it was like, I'm trying to help Michelle navigate friendships. And this is a person that really never had a friend. I didn't have a really, really close friend until I was 50 years old, maybe 45 years old. Uh, someone that, I, that, that fits the box or fits the description of what I just said a good friend is. Um, I had a lot of trust issues from my childhood. I just had a lot of awkwardness and never quite felt comfortable in my own skin. So felt like that I was needing to be, be that good friend instead of, you know, like showing that I was a good friend instead of just actually being who I was, knowing that the right people would come along. And that's what happened when I had my first really good, uh, solid relationship. Well, and I think listening to you say all that, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you if you don't have very many good friends or you're not someone who makes friends easily or you can have a long time where you don't feel like you have friends. Um, that is, there's nothing wrong with you. No, but I thought there was. And I thought that, and, and I think what, why that's so important um, for us to talk about right now is that if you feel that way, like I felt that way, there was something wrong with me. I lived in an alcoholic home I thought I was the only person that was going through all the traumas and all the trials of that in and itself. And so I entered the world. I entered every single day feeling like I didn't measure up, I didn't fit in, and that there was something wrong with me. And I had to do everything that I could to make myself okay so that people would like me or so that, that I could have a friend. And when you show up in the world like that, already feeling like you're not okay or less than or unworthy, it comes across to people. It it shows up in ways that you are so unaware of. And I didn't learn until decades and decades and decades later, obviously in all my years of therapy, but more importantly, not more importantly, but as importantly, when my sister and I were talking one time, oh, I don't know, I was probably in my 40s, maybe late 30s or 40s, and we were talking just 
kind of reminiscing about the old days. And she was two years behind me in school. And she, I said, you know, it's been really interesting, interesting for me to navigate this life of, you know, how come I didn't have any friends? Because she was incredibly popular and she had lots and lots and lots of friends. And she looked at me dumbfounded. And I remember thinking, what, what, why are you giving me that look? And she said, well, you could have had a lot of friends. And I said, what do you, what do you mean by that? And she said, everyone thought that you were stuck up and they were scared to death to come near you because you really sent off that vibe that, you know, don't come near me. I'm not okay. Or, um, I'm scared or, um, I don't measure up. So it was really, it was one of the most, um, life-changing moments of my life when my sister said that to me, that you sent off the vibe that you were not okay and that people need to leave you alone. So I just say that because we do, how you show up and being your authentic self and knowing that you're worthy and that you're, you're good enough really matters. And I think that's why you and I, Michelle, spend so much time talking about it. The relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you will ever have in your life. Like understanding that you're worthy and you're enough and that um, that is good enough and that the right people will come your way is really important. Yeah. That was a lot, I know. <laughs> no, so what I'm hearing you say is, is like we say so often on this show that the relationship that you have with yourself and your knowledge of yourself really does set the tone for so much in our lives. And friendships, relationships, is no different. And it's interesting for me to hear you say that, of course, you felt like you had no friends growing up and as a young person and to have your sister, my aunt say, well, this was people's perception of you. And I just think it's interesting to have that hindsight vision of yourself to see, okay, what, what, there's probably truth in the middle of that. Um, and just looking at that and taking notes of, of how we can, A, tap into ourselves to really uncover what kind of relationships we really want in life when it comes to friendships. Because I touched on this a bit at the beginning of the episode, you know, society places some rules and stigmas on what means a good friend. You show up no matter what. You answer their calls no matter what. You text back right away. These are what I feel is placed um, you know, you, you do everything they're asked, they ask you to do. Um, you support them unconditionally. All of those things I've felt. And for me, I've noticed that that feels like a lot of pressure as far as friendship goes. I'm more of an introvert, as I think we've talked about on the show. I like my alone time. I don't need to be surrounded by people 24-7 to be okay. And so for me... Of friendship, me I know now in my thirties that for me a friendship that to be good in quotes means having someone in my life who knows that if I'm not wanting to go out all the time, it has nothing to do with them or that I'm mad at them or and they're not going to take it personally. They're not going to take it personally. If I don't want to get on the phone because I know we've talked about you know not loving phone calls. It's not personal. Um, if I, I want, like you said, to be extended the grace to say no, but also have an open and honest communication where, you know, I know you don't really like doing these things. It would mean a lot to me. And you can say, okay, I understand it means a lot to you. 
let's make it work. So I think that first thing is knowing yourself well enough to know what dynamics really work for you. And it took me a really long time to figure that out because I think throughout different phases of our lives, we want to have the party friends. We want to have the fun friends. We want to have, you know, certain types of friends. And ultimately, it's not about that external definition, but more about who are the people that can take you where you are and accept you as you are. And again, extend you the grace when you need it show up when you need it. Give you the tough love when you need it. Give you the tough love when you need it. But really just allow you to be who you are. And I think it's that self-knowledge that really means everything. It's the foundation. And probably looking back on your life, you know, it it was probably a lack of knowledge of self to know how to even go out there. You know, absolutely. And I think traumas and all the things that we endure as human beings uh, plays a role for sure. And I think that, and for me, it was there, you know, I abandoned myself a long, long time ago as a child. So we can't, we we have to, we have to always come back home to ourselves. And so I want to back up just for a second, because when I said my first real friendship was in like my fifties, I want to also say though, that it was when I was in treatment where I truly had my first real, real, really close friend. Because in treatment, you can't get away with anything. In treatment, you are in therapy all the time. You're with people all the time. You are talking about yourself all the time. They're talking about themselves all the time. So I had the most amazing, amazing friend in treatment who called me on everything. She would say, Barb, you feel you seem like you're you're really distanced today. What's up with you? And vice versa. So when we left treatment, we have remained friends today. We are still friends after almost 40 years of friendship. We don't live in the same town. We don't see each other very often. But she is someone that I will unconditionally know is always there for me. And I know that I could call her in a moment's notice um, and she would be there. And I think that's what, for me, friendship means, that I can show up as myself and my friend, my good friend that that really isn't judging me will will call me on things or ask me what's happening or try to get down, you know, to the deep emotions that I'm feeling that's maybe or tell me, you know, you look like you're not trusting me or, you know, what's happening. Just to really be authentically yourself in life is probably one of the most um, beautiful miracles that we could live as a human being to be able to be exactly who we are. And I think you said it really well. First of all, we have to know who we are and be comfortable in our own skin first, and then we can show up that way for other people. And frankly, I don't think there are going to be a lot of people that we can feel that comfortable with. So if you've got one good friend, and I think I posted about this on Instagram last week, if you've got one good friend that you can show up as your unique, authentic self, it is a blessing. You are truly blessed. Well, certainly I was just going to say it's, it's really quality not quantity when it comes to friendships. And again, I think a lot of us think we have to have a million friends in order to feel fulfilled and happy and loved. But I love having a a tight inner, inner circle. And that's definitely something that I've learned to accept over time. Yes. And I, I would, I guess I would say, you know, as we're going on with this conversation, I think what's, what's, really striking me the most right now is really having that strong, good, 
accepting, loving, graceful friendship with yourself. How can you start? I think that's always the place to start. If it's you're not feeling like, you know, cause if you're not feeling like you love, accept and trust yourself completely, how in the world can we go out and expect other people to be that for us or that we could be that for other people? It's just, I have found it's not possible. So whenever I'm struggling in friendships or relationships in general, I always look at myself and I say, okay, Bart, what's happening for you in this moment? I definitely think we should do a whole episode on how to love and trust yourself completely. Oh, for sure. that's a whole thing that I think a lot of people struggle with and even figuring out how to do that. But it is true that you have to feel that sense of wholeness within yourself. You know, love yourself. There's that Lucille Ball quote. You know, you have to love yourself. I'm paraphrasing. Have to love yourself first before you do anything else. You have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important. I think the other part of that is if I can give myself space, grace, um, acceptance, and love, then it's almost um, automatic in most instances that I can do that for other people. And isn't that what we really want from each other, to allow ourselves to just be who we are, all the flaws, all the goodness, all the difficulties, and vice versa. I think that's that's what a real friendship is. And so that's not an easy, um, it's not an easy task, I think, out there in the world today with everything that's going on and with the way life is. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's why it's so hard when friendships break up. Um, it's why what it's so a hard. segue. Mm-hmm. Look at her go. Giving them some ideas and some tips about friendship breakups because we certainly had a traumatic one a few years ago. I mean, I've had quite a few traumatic ones. <laughs> I don't know if that's just some sort of lesson that I have to learn in this lifetime, but um, friendship breakups are really tough mm-hmm. and really painful and hard and confusing. And they really put you through the ringer as far as questioning yourself and and how you operate in this world. They do. And I think that's why it's important as we... Um move on in this episode to talk about when, when a friendship ends and out of the blue, mm-hmm. like what all of you listening out there, maybe I had never had that happen to me ever. I didn't even know what ghosting was. All right. So let's talk I had about never, it. Yeah. I had never had a friendship just one minute we're friends and really, really, really close, good friends. Um, and the next minute, um, we are, we are, we're cut off and, and no communication whatsoever. All right. So the topic of ghosting, Ghosting means what you just said, total cutoff of communication, not really knowing what happened or why, um, not really knowing any reasons and just done over, no closure. Finished. No, nothing. Nothing. A really painful way to end things in any kind of way. Because it's, it's almost like, well, it is like a death. It's, it's a shock. You know, sometimes when, when, um, when things happen in our lives that are so totally unexpected and then you have no way. I think it's the idea that there is absolutely no control and there is no way for you to have any understanding or come to any closure with the other person. You have to start the process of coming to the closure with yourself. And just be able to look at the situation. And this is really, really hard because you're writing so many different stories. You're trying to sort it out. 
And if it's happened to you, you're reaching out to the other person and they're not responding back to you. So you start that process first, um, reaching out to the other person, hoping for a response back, like, oh, maybe they've cooled down, whatever happened, because you don't even know what happened. But you're thinking, gosh, something really drastic had to happen. And so once you start that process of reaching out and there's nothing on the other end, there's no communication back on the other end, then you have to start the process of, okay, let me let me sort out what I think may have happened, and then let me start the process of making peace with that. Well, ghosting really is like an unexpected death. Yeah, not to get super mm-hmm. morbid. It's true. We've managed or deal dealt with unexpected death, and it feels like that because, but it's it's similarly more painful because the person is still living, and you just have to live your life knowing that you can't ever reach them, but the same feelings of grief hold true because you can't communicate. You can't really solve any of the problems. You just have to mourn the death of that relationship. You know, and I would like to put this out there and ask everyone listening for, I'm going to tell you for me, one of the hardest things in life is not knowing, you know, when we know something that's hard enough to try to work through it and to do all the things and, and, and all the processes and all the things that we need to do to work through it to come to some kind of closure for it. But when you don't know something, and chances are never will really understand something, that is a really hard thing to grapple with. I know it's really hard for me to grapple with because I like, I like to have some sense of an inkling or some sense of knowing. And so I think that's where, you know, we talk so much about the mind. I think that's where most of our anxiety in life comes is not knowing when we know something, we can be anxious about it. But when we don't know something, I think we're doubly anxious about it because we actually don't, we don't know what to think. We don't know what to expect. It's like, it puts us into a whole different space of, oh my gosh, how can I get through this without actually having any clue what happened? And so I think that's why it's so important to trust yourself and have a relationship with yourself and give yourself some grace and allow it to take its time, allow it to run its course and not be too quick to, um, abandon, abandon the whole situation, but also not be too quick to abandon yourself and really let the feelings flow through you really let yourself feel the whole gamut of feelings and, and allowing it to just keep working its way through you and working its way through you till you come out the other side. You know, there's no timeline for this. There's no timeline for grief. There's no timeline for sorting things out like this when a relationship ends and you come out the other side. Okay. Um, I already know that I'm enough, I'm worthy, I'm whole, I'm all of these things. Um, whatever happened, happened. And and I will never know exactly what happened, but it's okay. Okay, so you just kind of unrolled the entire healing process in a monologue. So well, let's roll back. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> true. It's good, but yeah. I want to I kind of dive a little deeper into some of those um, little steps and it's a little more nuanced of managing that friendship. Right, and it's up. not easy. And it's not easy. We have to always, always preface it with that. It's not easy, but I think you touched on a lot of powerful things, and I want to mm, make sure okay. that it's highlighted in a way that people can really take it into their own lives and, and hopefully help. it's helpful for them. Um, so I think the thing, first of all, whether it's ghosting or, or not, when a relationship ends or a friendship ends, Feeling your feelings is what you tapped on first. Yeah. You have um, to. 
you have to feel your feelings and allow yourself to feel them and not try to judge them. Don't push them away. Don't write a story about them. Just allow yourself to feel the rage or the anger or the hurt or the sadness or whatever it is. Just allow yourself to feel it and give yourself that grace. Give yourself that permission and without without any judgments or without any attachments to it either. Like, remember, no feeling is ever final, so you're not going to feel this way forever. So really allowing yourself just to feel what's happening in the moment and the next moment and the next moment because it could go on for a while, of course. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, allow yourself to feel the feelings. But again, to, and I know we've talked about this in the past, is to maybe give yourself you use this as a tool a lot in a lot of ways. Give yourself a time frame of how long you're going to let yourself sit in that feeling. Like, all right, for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to be really sad about this. And then after 15 minutes is up, I'm going to go do something else. And then maybe later today, I'll let myself have another 15 minutes. But that's a great way to let yourself feel without spiraling. Um, so allow yourself to feel the feelings, but then don't I, it's really easy for me to get really, really stuck in a feeling and then just wallow. So if you, if you're someone like me who does that, of course, feel what's, what's up for you, but give yourself some limits so that it's not just an all consuming situation. And I would also add for me personally, the trigger comes like, let's say I'm feeling for this particular breakup. I was very, very sad one day. Like I couldn't figure it out. I was really sad. And so I allowed myself to feel sad. I was crying and all the things. So for me, when I realized I've crossed over to wallowing in the sadness and practically living in the sadness is when my mind starts to write a story about how I deserve to be sad mm. and how they deserve to be, um, you know, um, know how what they've done to me. You know, that whole idea that we start to write the story to um, validate how I'm feeling. When I start to move into a place of validating, when my mind starts to move in, I come out of my heart, I come out of my feelings, and I get into my head. And the head is starting to say, you know, you deserve to be sad. How dare? That's when it's time to stop. Because I'm out of the feelings. And now I'm into the the whole writing the story and into that whole idea how this is how how uh, impossible this is because I don't even know and it's so rude and it's not appropriate. And of course, it's not any of those things. I mean, but I don't need to live in that world of, we don't want to live in that world of how bad this is, what was done to us. We want to feel the feelings and start being able to start the process of moving out of it. So if that helps anyone out there, that is my trigger when I start to get back into the head, um, trying to validate my feelings. Your feelings don't need to be validated. You're sad, you're angry, you're, you're irritated, you're you're um, out of control, enraged, whatever that is, you don't need to validate your feelings. Love it. Number two, speak your truth if you can. Yes. Again, if you've been ghosted, that might be a little more challenging. But I think even the act of sending a message, even if you don't know if it's received or read, is really yes. powerful. If it's a relationship where communication lines are still open, it's obviously powerful. But I know in the real, in the situation that you're talking about where we were ghosted, I sent a message being like, you know, I I don't understand what happened here. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I feel really hurt about this. I wish we could talk, but I understand that you don't, you know, best wishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
And having the ability to just say that, even if I don't know if this person read it, I don't know what they thought about it. It's helpful to get that off your chest, so to speak, at least to know that you've tapped into what's true for you and you've attempted to communicate it. Yeah. Um, because I really feel like even in relationships that are healthy and, and functioning just fine, healthy, honest communication really is everything. Being able to say and speak your needs, being able to honestly say no if you need to and not have to worry about retribution or making someone angry or losing someone, not having that anxiety that one misstep is going to tank the whole relationship. That really means everything. So I, I, I've really started to value deeply the ability to communicate with people. And if I can't communicate with people properly, that's obviously a red flag for me. But especially when grieving, if I can get out my last piece in whatever way I can, it really helps me in the healing process. Absolutely. And I think communication can take many forms in this, in this ghosting that we're talking about. Me too. I, I sent several text messages and really tried to think about what could have happened and maybe what was my part in it and sent those messages and, you know, who knows whether it was received or not or what that person is thinking, but just getting it out. So the, there are many forms of communication. One is that, you know, send the text, send the emails, leave the voicemail, whatever that is, just so that you can get it out. Because I believe um, if you can just say it to, to one person or to yourself, just getting it out for yourself that won't abandon you, that won't invade you, that won't criticize you, it is powerful in the healing process. Or write it out. Pretend like you're writing them a letter. Not pretend. Actually write them a letter, but don't send it. Or you can send it, but you don't need to. So any way that you can, or speak it to another person. I just want you to listen to me. Let me tell you what happened to me. And I just want to give you my feelings about it. So any way it has to come out. I think that's what you're trying to say and we're trying to say. So that second step in, the feelings have to come out. And if you can do it in the verbal form, in some form of communication, it's really, really helpful. And I know that it helped me a lot just and to get it out. Yeah, journaling is a great and way journaling, to do that yes. too. If you really truly can't ever speak to someone because they've cut it off and you need yes. to get it out, I, I love to journal to get some of that, some of those pent up emotions and feelings and even things that you you want to say, but you know, you could never say, right. Maybe the things that are hurtful or whatever, just to get them out. Journaling is a great tool to release that. And don't worry about being nice or being right or being all of that. Just, just if you can free write how you feel, what is happening for you in the moments that you're feeling the feelings and how you feel. Yeah. That's a powerful oh. practice. Mm -hmm. um, next which is so hard for both of us, but don't try and control the situation. I think we, really hard. It's really hard for you. It <laughs> is really hard because, but I also think in this situation, I don't feel like we spent a lot of time trying to control it. We spent mm. a lot of time. I know for me, I spent a lot of time trying to understand and manage it and figure it out. Because um, once I was done reaching out and got no response back, I was done with that phase. I had come to terms with the fact that, okay, that person is not, now I'm in a phase of how do I heal myself 
by myself because I'm not going to have that other person's feedback or that I'm never, I'm never going to know. So it took me a while to get to that conclusion that I am never really going to know what's happening here. And so that, that is a form of control. Yeah. But I think in a lot of instances with a lot of people, control is a huge piece of yes. any sort of breakup. Can't you just meet me one more time? Yes. Can't you just get on the phone with me one more time? I really need to talk to you one more time. Why can't we make this work? Why can't we, mm-hmm. you know, forget it? You know, really trying to place your own wants and desires on the situation when it, it might not be what's right. Right. Um, I think control is a really big thing for people in these kinds of situations. That's why I think, you know, the things you were just saying were interesting. I never sent any of those messages in, in the text. It's so interesting. But no, because this is, this is important. Because I, I tried to be, I tried to own my own thing without being too, um, what's the word? But like, people do. Oh yeah, no, they do. That's why I'm trying to, that's why I want to share this. Like if you can write the text in the, in the context of, look, I don't really understand what happened. I love you very much. I value our friendship and relationship very much. Um, I have an idea that maybe did this happen? Did this happen? Whatever the things are. And I would really love to talk to you. I think if you can stay in your own power, it it matters a lot. I know that it mattered to me a lot because I can get exactly like you said, I can get, please, please, come on, let's just talk about this. Please, can we please just talk about this? And I have a family member that, um, that uh, did this quite a few years ago. And so I think it's interesting to try to, how do you find that balance of staying in your own power look, I love you very much. I value this relationship. I don't exactly know what happened without succumbing to, um, I'll do anything or I, I don't know. I, I, it just, for me, it's really been important in these, in these, in this, especially in this situation to try to stay in my own power of, of not feeling like, um, I can control it, but also not feeling needy or, yeah. no or like I'm less than, or, I don't know. I hope this makes sense to everyone because I feel like it's it's been an important piece for me. It's complicated, but I think yeah. it makes sense. Um, and if not, we'll dive into it more later. Yeah. Um, the next piece is just reflection and trying to understand what happened, which I know you talked about a bit. But you can write stories about what you think happened. I know the situation you're talking about. We had our theories. We'll never really know. But for me, this piece is to really kind of look at the relationship like it was the movie, watch it all go by, see where maybe you took missteps, I took missteps, they took missteps. What did we do that maybe, what lessons do we need to learn? What can we do differently? I really like to think of that as like fine tuning myself because I could spend the rest of my life trying to figure out what happened in this specific situation or in a lot of relationships that have ended. And I'll never really know because we're never knowing what's going on for somebody else in their life, in their mind, in their perception of a relationship, unless they truthfully communicate it. Oftentimes we don't get that. And so we could write stories forever. Yeah. And that's not really productive. So I really like to just reflect and say, okay, I I did this. I don't feel good about this. I'd like to do this differently next time. I'd like to communicate better earlier in the relationship rather than letting things build up. I'd like to be more honest about these kinds of things. I'd like to have better boundaries when it comes to this. I'd like to um, 
not tolerate certain things. And so I, I like that stage of, of understanding of the relationships is really a reflection of self mm-hmm. rather than getting to the conclusion of what exactly happened. Taking inventory for what what happened for you and knowing, okay, I don't like how this feels in relationships. So I want to try my best to not recreate it. And the ones that I really want to keep or want to cultivate in the future. So beautifully said, Michelle, that is really a great way to close out this episode because it's, it is so beautiful. I mean, I know we're not quite finished, but it's just such a, (laughs) it's such a really great, um, it's where we all want to be. We all want to be self-reflective because let's face it in a relationship, in life, in any, any uh, two way situation, we are there. We always, we always have our own part. And I think being able to look at our part, you're going to be able to look back. And instead of continuing to write the story going forward of what you think, if you actually reflect back, like you said, you can actually see some of the red flags. You can see where, Oh my gosh, I did this and I didn't stand up for myself or this happened and I needed to maybe create a better boundary. You're going to start to see the red flags. And then how do we learn when we know better, we do better, as the great Maya Angelou said. So that has been the key for me, too. I agree so wholeheartedly well, that looking at yourself. It, that's been a really hard thing for me to tap into because it's my my first instinct to be like, that other person was wrong. They're a jerk. How could, I mean, There's something wrong with them, clearly, if they don't want to be friends with me anymore. They're awful. All the things. Placing all of the blame on the other person. I can look back at a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships that have ended where I'm like, well, what's wrong with them and obviously there can be things that those people have done that have not been the best but it's important to kind of flip the mirror on yourself and just see okay they might not be great but maybe I wasn't so great in some instances and let's I can only work on me I can't fix them and it's important to take ownership and not always place the blame outwards Right. And, and for anyone listening to this, if that's difficult, just what I, what I tell myself, I don't want to be in this situation again. Yeah. What do I need to do to not be in this situation again? What do I need to learn uh, so that I don't step into this situation again? What are some of the little nuances and some of the things that were happening along the way that I could have, um, I could have maybe spoken more about or noticed more about. So I think that's really what you're trying to say is how do we learn and grow? Cause we're here to learn and grow. So yeah. And lastly, um, you know, just the process of working through the feelings and, and coming to terms with acceptance, um, of it all. Yeah. Acceptance of yourself more than anything else. Okay. It's not a reflection like- of, it's not a reflection that anything is wrong with you, that a relationship like this ended or you got ghosted. And so accepting that this is the way it is. Um, and life moves on. It's acceptance. There's obviously grief that goes along with acceptance, but then it's also tapping into what are some boundaries that you can set so that you're not picking the wound, you know, with friendships or romantic relationships. I don't want to see their things on social media. So it's unfollow or block or whatever for me. Um, clearing out the memories of of that person in your life in whatever way that works for you so you're not like haunted especially in a ghosting situation you can be haunted by this person that had such a huge presence but is no longer in your life Mm -hmm. and so it's really tapping into 
what kind of boundaries do you need to set? How can you find acceptance? How can you heal um, and move forward in that way? And just remembering too, I say this a lot in, in the blog, um, but people's rejection of you is is not, it, it's rejection or it's not rejection, it's redirection. So I really feel like in that instance for friendships, you know, if someone doesn't want to be with you or doesn't want to be friends with you or ends things with you, ultimately I have to believe that it's it's for the best and that I'm somehow being guided or protected or or put on a different path for a reason, whether it's to create space for better relationships that are more aligned, whether it's to bring me to the right people, whether it's to protect me from something bad that could have happened, um, to reframe that where people turning me down is a bad thing, but it's a good thing because it's steering me in another direction has really helped me because otherwise I would get stuck in the I have been rejected many times. Yeah, and so something's <laughs> wrong with you. Yeah. I would just, I would just, I will end my piece with this by just saying, choose people who choose you. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to make it work. Don't try to change yourself in any way that that you want to make someone else accept you. Um, what, there are like 7 billion people on the planet, 7.5 billion people on the planet or whatever. So, I think choose people who choose you and be accepting of yourself and accepting that this is what life is. Life is here to help you um, grow and life is working for you, not against you is really something that I look at a lot. Like something happens. Okay, let me look at how I can move through this and come out the other side. I love that. Choose people who choose you and just remember that you are always worthy of, of loving, kind, compassionate relationships. And if you don't feel like you have that, it's it's out there for you. And you don't have to settle for yeah. less than what you deserve. Beautiful. Whew. We did it. Mm-hmm. Well, that wraps up this lovely session of ghosting and relationship breakups, friendship breakups. Thanks for diving in with us with that. Thanks for listening. And probably more to come on this. Probably more to come. Um, We really, really, really are so grateful for all of the support and the listens and the shares. Please make sure, if you're not already, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Make sure you're following us on social media, at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. And stay in touch with us. If you have topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, dive into more, you can email us, you can reach out to us on social media. And we just really love hearing your feedback, your requests, all of the things. So please stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Love you. Love you. See you next time. And we'll see you next time because as we know, Barb knows best.